beginning with mission this year. So I just want to give you an update and then you could be praying and believing God. I've written it down in case I forget somebody. So we're going to pray for Lavan today. Um, she's off to Kenya next Sunday and she'll just um, tell you what she's going to do in a few minutes. Um, Kathleen, Catherine will be travelling also to Kenya on the 21st um, in a couple of weeks' time to explore the prospects of doing soccer camps. She will be liaising with ambassadors in Nairobi and then she plans to, to do these camps with Gideons and the uh, surrounding community. So if you're interested in that, do see Catherine. She won't be taking a team in um, February, but is looking to take perhaps a team and those who are interested in soccer camps at the end of May. She'll be selling some notebooks at the back today and please support her and that money will go to the um, ministry in Kenya. Um, Dave Gatton, so you're never too old to do mission. <laughs> I love you, Dave. <laughs> Um, he'll be travelling to Uganda on May the 6th like he did last year. He will be um, doing some seminars with the School of Ministries. He will be travelling six and seven hours from the airport and will be doing two modules on helping people and Christian foundations. That's May the 6th. Zoe's back with us. Give her a cheer. She's not quite sure what her next step is. We're going together to visit Christ for All Nations Bible School, so please be praying on her behalf. She's not quite sure what to do. I think half of her is still in Thailand, uh, but let's pray that God opens doors for her. She'll be arranging an evening of photos, and so we can um, chat with her about Thailand. That will be Thursday week. We will confirm that with you in the newsletter this week. Joel continues to pray and believe God to go to Hong Kong this year. He believes he's filled in all the forms. He's just waiting for the right timing to work with Jackie Pullinger at St. Stephen's Society. So be praying for him as well. He wants an angel to come and tell him definitely he's meant to go. <laughs> Phil and I plan to take another team to Sri Lanka. My second home in October, like last year. So please, if you want to go to Sri Lanka, um, just let me know and that would be planned. Um, also, we might go together earlier than that because there's a, another outreach on the east of Sri Lanka that Phil and I will go to just on our own to explore. But the team will be going in October. Phil will also be going to Serbia to do a deliverance conference. His book is now in Serbian. And he's waiting to confirm those dates. See what I mean? There's loads going on. I plan to go to Thailand. Um, we can only take a small team, um, myself and two others. So if you feel you'd like to go to Thailand, do let me know. Audrey, not to forget Israel, will be joining Pastor Paul. She travels next week. Um, she's been asked to do the worship there with Pastor Paul. So that's always a great experience. So I think I've included everybody. I hope I haven't forgot anybody. But our passion here is mission as well. We have so much here in the West. We filled ourselves up this morning with worshipping God. We have to give it out, folks. We can't keep it for ourselves. There's a dying world. There's poverty and poor people all over the world. I pray that you will seek God and ask him what he wants you to do this year. But Levan, come on. We'll pray for you. The missions um, committee, will you come up, please? And, Lavon, just share a couple of minutes what you'll be doing. Thanks. Cool. Um, hi, everyone. Um, I wasn't sure what I was going to say this morning. Um, but um, 
Joel touched on it when he read out um, the uh, things from his friend. Um, I go because of love. That's my focus and my reason why I go. Um, a long story short, um, the opportunity is open for me to, as I said, go to Kenya. Um, I'll be um, going out there um, <coughs> predominantly to set up um, a clinic. Um, I happen to be in the ambulance service at the moment and um, the provision that's been provided uh, in terms of medical equipment has been amazing. Thousands and thousands of pounds worth of equipment that I'm taking over to um, just, um, just, just, to, just to equip them. Um, I also went on um, a refresher first aid course the other day, so I, I want to teach first aid um, while I'm there. Um, I believe there's more. Um, I don't believe that God is just sending me there for the clinic. Um, I think the main focus is the the um, hundreds of orphans, um, particularly at the Gideons at the moment, there's about 200 uh, children who, um, who I need to pour out my love onto. Okay, Laval, we pray for you. Amen. You're crying, are you? <laughs> yeah, we just lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ again. Right now in this moment, Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you that everything we do is in your name and for your glory. We honor you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of our praise. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for this precious one in front of me right now. God, we thank you that you're breaking our heart uh, for those little ones in that nation. God, we thank you for the nation of Kenya. We thank you for those precious children, every single one of them known by name to you, Lord God. We just ask right now, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, for your filling for Levan, you would fill her afresh, equip her, inspire her, provide for her, Lord God, and we ask and invite your protection over her and upon her. Oh God, we just ask that you would make the path clear for her. Right from the very moment she uh, leaves uh, her home, Lord, till her, oh, her arrival in Kenya. From Nairobi to Kasumu, we just bless that journey, God. We ask for divine appointments, divine connections on the way, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. I pray you connect her with the ones when she's there that she needs to be connected with, Lord God, for anything future you have planned for her. We just bless what you're doing in her life. We see, God, how you're moving her heart and compassion for these kids, Lord. And we're just excited for the future. We're excited for the love that you want to pour out, Lord, into this nation through this precious one here. And we just bless her and we bless you what you're doing, Jesus. Amen. 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 Go in Jesus' name, Levon.
and with our love. Bless you. Are you ready, Audrey? Yeah, let's give uh, Audrey a clap. Yeah, we're blessed this morning. We we have um, one of my top ten preachers here. So let's just uh, stretch our hands. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you, Lord, for Audrey. Yeah. Bless her mightily in Jesus' name. Fill her afresh. And um, yeah, speak through her, we pray in Jesus' name, and uh, give us ears to hear and uh, hearts also, Lord, to receive your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How are you, everyone? You're doing well. That was so wonderful worship, just soaking in the, in the spirit of the Lord. It's good to see you all. Um, just before I start, I think you might have seen the newsletter about my book. I've only got six copies left, actually, uh, but I've put some more on. No, sorry. I've put some more on ordered, so hopefully you'll support me in the work that I'm going to hope to be doing uh, as we sell these books. So uh, this is about the P31 women, and when I get an opportunity, I'll talk more about that at some stage. But it's been, even been endorsed by our pastor, Phil. Oh. I paid him well. <laughs> he thought I was a bit of a feminist, but hey, we won't go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what do I want to talk about today? I want to talk about Nehemiah. Well, actually, it's Ezra and Nehemiah. I'm going to do a sort of whistle-top tour of the book of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. First of all, I've been doing some self-analysis like I always do. I'm a bit of a reflector. I reflect on myself a lot. I reflect on why I think certain ways I think and why I do things the way I do. Um, and one of the things that came out for me was that I'm a bit of a visionary. Um, I like to, once I get something in my mind to start something, then if the passion's there, I will get up and do it. I really do. I, mean, I think God's just wired me that way that actually, if it's in my mind to do, this was once a vision, just a vision, and then it became a reality, you know, and I just sense that that's how he's wired me. Now, that might be good for some, that might be an irritant to others, <laughs> so I'm quite aware of that. Um, but I get a vision for something, then I can usually make it happen and bring it into being because I get that relentless passion to do it. And I believe some of you in here are visionaries, you know, when you've got your mind set on something, then you will do it. Brother, um, just a little word for you. What's your name? Lee. Lee. You know Lee. Um, just want to say that um, 
I feel that the Lord is saying that you're just a precious man. Okay, you know, and, um, you know, I don't know what you've been through, but I just sense when you came in that um, he just, he's got his hand on you. He really has his hand on you. And it's like he's touching your shoulder with just a gentle touch. It's like he doesn't want to put a heavy weight on you because he knows what you've been through. And he knows that anything too heavy might break you at this moment in time. But the Lord has just gently got his, his hand on your shoulder and saying, Lee, you're mine. You are mine. You are mine. So, Lord, we just bless Lee right now in the name of Jesus. Expand him. Restore him, Lord God, to the full identity that was his from the foundations of the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you, Lee. So, um, <clears throat> yes, yeah, so others of us are probably not visionaries, but we have the ability to support the visionary. So, you know, we were, we were together yesterday and I said something that, you know, some of us are leaders, some of us are followers, but actually followers is okay. Followership is a good thing because you need followers. So some of us have the ability uh, to faithfully work tirelessly to support the visionary. So you might be in a background role, but actually what you're doing is a lot of support and you're happy in that supporting role. That's what makes the great foundation for a good team. So because everyone understands where they fit in and they work according to each other's strengths rather than their weaknesses. So you know where you actually fit. So if there's some that's the visionary, that's fine. Some that's the supporters, that's fine. That's fine. Now, that has led me to the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And um, in, in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see the characteristics and traits of visionaries. How many, how many know about Ezra and Nehemiah? Ezra was stirred with others to go back to Jerusalem and build the temple. And some years later, Nehemiah was stirred to go back and build the wall. Now, let me just set the context for you. So Israel had sinned. They'd been taken into captivity by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. So they spent um, 70 years in Babylon, before there was a decree from Cyrus, king of Babylon, that they could actually go back to Israel. Now, just think about this. When you're in a country for so long, what happens? You assimilate to that culture. You assimilate to that way of doing things. So when Israel was in the land of Babylon, they'd probably assimilated in some way. Now, they probably did not worship the gods of the Babylonians. They still worshipped their own god, but there was something around being comfortable in Babylon. We even hear about uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They had positions in Babylon. They had high governmental positions. But one thing about them, they said, we will not eat the king's meat or, do what the, um, or be assimilated in that way in the way of the Babylonians. They still stood their ground as uh, Israelites. Now, just imagine that this King Cyrus comes and says, you can go back to Israel. You can go back to Jerusalem. You can actually go back and you can go back and rebuild. Right. 
those, of those, those who were comfortable in Babylon, so two million Jews or so went to Babylon, those who were comfortable in Babylon thought, well, actually, do I really need to go back? Do I really need to go back and rebuild the wall and rebuild Jerusalem? Ezra was willing to go back, and Ezra stirred about 50,000 people to go back with him to rebuild the wall. So when the Jews were deported to Babylon, they began to make homes for themselves. They, they settled down there, even though they were followers of God the Father, but they did it from the Babylonian viewpoint with no desire to return to the land God had promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And sometimes when you think, when you think about those things, actually, why would they want to go back to a land that was in rubble, that a, a wall that had broken down and the temple had been broken down? Why would you want to go back to that? Now, in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah was in the king's palace. In other words, he had a very high position in the king's palace. It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel, or while I was in the palace of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnants that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And th they said, those who are survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. All right, just picture it. Nehemiah was in the king's palace, had a good job in the king's palace, probably had all that he wanted, but there was a stirring in his heart about Jerusalem. He was stirred. What was going on with him? He was stirred. In fact, um, Nehemiah, the response was, great trouble and disgrace is happening in Jerusalem. The wall of Jerusalem has been broken down and the gates have been burned. Let's just look at those three things. The remnant are in great trouble and reproach. In other words, they had the inability to come up to good standards, which would be benefit. That's what the translation means from that. The remnants are in great trouble, Nehemiah. In other words, no matter how much they try, they can't. They, there is an inability to move forward. So many years just before that, Ezra had gone back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Okay. Rebuild the temple with, with many of the um, other Jews. But during that time, Ezra came across a lot of opposition. Whenever we take a step out to do something, we're going to come across a lot of opposition. Ezra came across a lot of opposition. There were people who didn't want him to rebuild the temple. Even though the edict had gone out that, yeah, you can go back. You can go back and rebuild. But, the people, but there was so much opposition. How many of us realize that actually when you do something, you become weary under the load? You know, you become weary. And sometimes we become weary when there's been something that we've got to go back and rebuild. 
The opportunity was go, to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. They tried. They did it. They, they um, built the temple. They rebuilt the temple. But then after that, they wanted to rebuild the rest of Jerusalem. But they become weary. How many of us become weary at times? We may start off well, but then we become weary with our journey. And that's what was happening. So reproach also came upon them, which means shame, contempt, despise, despise. And also there was something around blaming each other. So picture it. They had gone back to Jerusalem, but there was still this reproach that was upon them. So basically, the people were not in a good place. They had returned to Judah, but the eager mindset that many of them had when they first returned to Jerusalem under Ezra, it wasn't there now. Their enthusiasm had waned. They were not in a psychological state, and, the, and that had impacted the people. That had really impacted them. It's interesting to note that if you do read the book of Ezra, and I would encourage you to read the book of Ezra, that the ending of the book of Ezra, even though they rebuilt the temple, the ending of the book of Ezra, it didn't end too well. Because these people had gone back to Jerusalem, but what had started to happen, they started to intermarry with the people who was already there. And again, Ezra had to get back down on his knees and plead to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, help these people, save these people. There was just something going on. So the book of Ezra didn't really end that well. Then we see Nehemiah coming on the scene and God has started to stir his heart about going back to Jerusalem. There was something about a stirring that went on in, into his heart. Part of the... What also Nehemiah heard was that the walls of the city had been broken down. When a city's walls is broken down, it means that there is, the people are defeated or the people are in disgrace. Living in a city without walls means that you are not safe. It's a sign to the enemy that you have no protection. A city without walls means that you are not safe, a sign to the enemy that you're without protection, that they can get in the nooks and the crannies that perhaps you have not realised. That's what happened. That's why there was a stirring in Nehemiah. Not only that, the gates were also destroyed by fire. And again, having no gates not just, is not just about shutting things out, but it's also about keeping things in. Those of you who have been to uh, Jerusalem knows that the city of Jerusalem has ten gates. Now, there's some spiritual significance for that, but basically, the, the Jerusalem had ten gates. Now, this had impacted Nehemiah when the message came back to him that Jerusalem is in a pitiful state. It's got no walls. It's got this. It's broken down. The people are psychologically in a state. You know, the other day we got... Um, we got uh, the uh, email about what's going to happen here at Hope. You know, that was quite interesting when we got that. I thought to myself, ah, okay, so we're going to rebuild. There's going to be a build. There's going to be some sort of building that's going to go on in Hope. Why did it impact 
Nehemiah so much about Jerusalem? Why would it impact him when he was in a place of comfort? The palace. He had a good job. He probably didn't have a family, but he was probably a eunuch, but he was in a safe place. Why should this message impact him so much? Let's just dig a little deeper. Why this message came to this church, right? Maybe, maybe if it came to this church, there would be a stirring. If it came, if we heard that the ministry down the road had been impacted, the walls had broken down, several things had gone on, we probably would not be that too bothered. We'd probably think, oh gosh, yeah, something has happened, but it wouldn't impact so much. But if we heard that hope was in a dire strait, this had happened and that had happened, we probably would be, be uh, impacted. But maybe we wouldn't do as Nehemiah did. And what Nehemiah did, he got down in prayer and sackcloth and ashes and fasting. So would we go that far if we had heard that um, hope had been affected in some way, that the walls of hope had been broken down? Nehemiah did. He heard about Jerusalem. He heard what had happened to Jerusalem. And this man was moved to tears, a grown man who was fearless, who had no fear for his own life, being put at risk because every day he drank, he was, he was, he may have died because he was drinking the king's cup and the king's cup meant drinking, maybe he would be drinking poison. So he was the one in the position to drink, uh, to ensure that the king was not drinking poison. So Nehemiah was fearless, but something affected him about Jerusalem when he heard that Jerusalem was in a dire strait. And it affected him to the core that the king saw that his countenance was sad. Even in Nehemiah chapter 1, it records his prayer. This is his prayer. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and <coughs> prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord... The God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and yet your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night. What Nehemiah was saying, God, I need your attention. I need your attention. There's something going on with my people and I need your attention. He says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes being opened. Nehemiah had, said, had got to the stage where he realized that listening wasn't just about the ears, but it was also about the eyes. And he was saying to the Lord, give me your full attention because I'm coming to you today over a matter. And that matter is that Jerusalem needs rebuilding. The people have got psychologically discouraged and down and we need to rebuild this wall. This type of prayer was not a one-off make your, your request known of prayer. It was deep intercession that Nehemiah was wrestling with the Lord. He was taking it upon himself to stand in the gap for Israel. 
acknowledging to God that they had got it wrong in the past, but asking him to remember his word and speaking his word back to him. Saints, we sometimes need to speak God's word back to him to get things done. You know, so we're in a position now where we're going to rebuild certain things here. And, you know, what we've actually done is taken a step of faith. Because I'm sure if you look at it, we don't have the resources. I'm sure if you look at it, we might not even have the manpower. So what we've done is actually given out an edict to say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And so what do we need to do? We know we've not got the resources. We know we've not got the manpower. So we need to tell God what he told us. We need to get his attention. We need to speak his words back to him and said, Lord, you said, you said if we took that step of faith and you would come in and do this for us and do that for us. You said. So sometimes we have to get into God's face and say that. Now, I know many of you probably have gone through many things. You know, there's no doubt some of you have gone through some sicknesses. Some of you have gone through many things. And you know what it's like getting into God's face. I believe that this is the season that hope is going to go into of where we have to get into God's face. Because there's certain things, it's interesting how we were talking about all the things that we're doing in missions. I thought, whoa, you know, it's an amazing thing. And I thought, well, Lord, that's, that's really fantastic that, you know, people are actually being stirred. But there may be some of us that may, may feel, well, I don't know where I fit. I'm not really sure what I'm here to do. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't go. There's still work here anyway. <laughs> There's still the rebuilding work to be done here. So, you know, if you can't go there, it doesn't really matter. We've got plenty here for you to do. There's enough here for you to do. But I believe that it's time that we should get into God's face. In Isaac 62, it says, I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he establishes and till he makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. I believe that might be the period we are going through again as a church where we need to get in God's face and give him no rest until he makes hope, until he makes us a place of praise. We've said often that God has called us to be an apostolic house. We've said that often. We've said often that God has called us to send people out. We've said that often. And I've been here about three or four years, and I've seen the journey that God has been taking us on as a church. He's been strengthening us. He's been building us. But now I think there's a shift going on, very much so, because I think he just wants us to go from this step to that step. I think there's a big leap for us to do, and he's getting us prepared for it. He's getting us prepared. He's giving us the vision and getting us prepared for it. And that's what 
I think the stirring that's going on in this church is about. Those of you who are not feeling a stirring, I just sense that perhaps we just need to just seek God and say, Lord, you know, Phil preached a message a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, about those who didn't enter into Canaan went round in the wilderness until, he, until they died. I don't think that's what God wants for us as a church. I don't think that if we don't enter into our promised land, that's what may happen. We'll just go around in the wilderness until we die, until it dies out, until it fizzles out. I'm not sure that that's what he wants for us as a church. I think he wants us to arise. I think he's calling the Nehemiahs and the Ezras to arise at this time. There are many of them in this church, and I think he's calling us. And um, over, the, over the next few chapters of Nehemiah, Nehemiah starts the journey. He gets the vision and then starts the journey to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. One thing that Nehemiah does before he goes back to Jerusalem, he honours protocol. So he goes to his boss and says, look, I need to go back to Jerusalem. My people need me. I need to go back there. So he honours that protocol. Uh, his boss says, yeah, go, go. And not only uh, go with my blessings, I'm going to give you a letter so that if you come across any obstacles, then at least you can get through that as well. So that's what... God did for Nehemiah. So Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. Before he gets stuck in on the work, what does he do? He goes up. Lord, yeah, just bless him right now, Father. Just bless him right now, Lord. Just bless him, Lord God. Thank you. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Yeah, Lord, just bless him. Just bless him, Father. Bless him right now. Jesus' name, bless him. Yeah, Lord, bless him. Nehemiah goes up and looks over Jerusalem, takes a strategic view of what he needs to do. He surveys Jerusalem. And then he says in verse 17... His next role was to motivate the people who were there, who had got tired, who had got down. And he says, then I said to them, I see the trouble you are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. As soon as Jeremiah said that, the people responded and said, we will arise and build. All that was was a simple message that Nehemiah gave. I see the state of Jerusalem. I see what's happened. I see what's gone on. But you know, you know, guys, I believe in you. I believe that you can help rebuild this wall. 
I believe that you can help rebuild this city. I believe it. Jerusalem could have easily been a land that we just remember in history, just like the Babylon. We don't see Babylon anymore, do we? Babylon doesn't exist anymore. Sodom and Gomorrah doesn't exist anymore. Tyre and Sidon doesn't exist anymore. We know about it because we read about it in our history. That's how Jerusalem could have been, except for these guys who said no. No, no, no. We remember the promises of the Lord. We remember the promise of the Lord to Abram, Isaac and Jacob. And therefore we will go back and rebuild the wall. I wouldn't be going to Israel in a few weeks time because it might not have existed except for these guys. So what Nehemiah did, he motivated these people and said, let us rebuild. And they said, yeah, we will rebuild. So if this message was going directly to us, to hope, this is how it might read. Hope, you see the bad situation that we are in. We're still in debt as a church. We still don't have enough workers. We need trustees. We've been asking Audrey, but she just won't commit. <laughs> we only have one service a week because it's too hard for everyone to commit to get together. We don't even have a decent corporate prayer meeting because everyone's so busy. Come hope. Let us build. Let us build this apostolic house that we may have, that we've got this mandate to build. Okay, none of us knows what it looks like. I don't know. Phil doesn't know. The elders don't know. But we know that we've got this mandate. Let's give it a go. You see, we have enemies, even, mo uh, even amongst us, that may laugh us to scorn, like the Sanballat and Tobiah, which was mentioned in verse 19 of Nehemiah. And it says, Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Jeshem the Arab heard about it, heard that they were going to rebuild the wall, and they mocked them and ridiculed them. What is it that you are doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? Hope the Sambalat and Tobias will show their head when you start taking a, a step of faith. They will come from every nook and every cranny to ridicule you. It might be in, it, it might be in people. It might be just in our minds, whatever, but there will come that spirit of ridicule and mockery because we've taken the step to rebuild. But this is what Nehemiah's response was. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding but as for you, Sambalat and Tobiah, you have no share in Jerusalem. You have no claim or historic right to it. Church, what it, I feel as if the Lord is calling us at this moment 
to rebuild. I think that memo came out at the right time. I didn't even know that that was going on. But I do think, I do believe that that's where we are as a church. I don't want us to, as a church to be, you know, have a promise and none of us enter into that promised land. We die out in the wilderness. I don't want as a church that it's the same people coming to church each Sunday and actually we're not bringing in anyone new. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want that as a, as a fellowship here. I believe there's a great work for us to do here. I believe there are Nehemiahs and Ezra's here. And as the Lord has given us this mandate and we've taken a step of faith, just before I come to a close, there is a verse in, in Ezra, and I can't really remember the chapter, but it talks about Ezra saying to the king that the Lord is going to protect us as we rebuild the, rebuild the house of Jerusalem. And then Ezra gets cold feet and in the scripture, it says that Ezra remembered what he had said about God protecting us. So he didn't want to go back to the king to ask for help. So you know what he did? He got down on his knees and prayed and says, you know what? I'm going to be too embarrassed if I go back to them and ask for them for help. Therefore, I've got to seek God on this and let him break through for me. And God broke through for Ezra. That, I've never seen that scripture before. But Ezra said, you know what? I'm too embarrassed to go back there and ask for help. I've got to get down on my knees. That may come in our journey where we're too embarrassed to go and say, oh, we may need a bank loan. We may need this. We may that. And God's going to bring us to our knees as a, as a people group and to pray and to break through. I believe, I believe, I believe with my whole heart that, you know, Haggai said, who remembers the house in the former glory? Well, thank God we can see that glory now. I believe God wants to build a glorious place here. I really do. I believe that God has a glorious people that he wants to set within this nation and send to the nations. So as we just close out this service, I just want to, I just want us to just bow our heads at this moment in time. Now, for me, over the past year or so, what I've sensed that's been going on, even in over our assembly, is that. Um, I said this to a few people. It's like, you know when a worm gets to a plant and start eating at that plant? And sometimes you don't realize that the worm is eating the plant until you go back to the plant and realize, oh, there's something that's wrong with this plant. I sense that over the past year or so, there's been a chipping away like a worm, like a locust, just been a chipping away at our foundations where something has come in to start to shake our very foundations. But I sense that today God wants to make that right, wants to expose whatever it is and wants us to strengthen our, our, our foundations. 
I also sense today that there are some people here that has the Nehemiah anointing, the Ezra anointing that really want to build. You may not be sure what it is that you're building. You may not know how, but you've just got this sense that, yes, Lord, I want to rebuild. I want to do something. I really do sense that. And I'm going to, I know, that I don't, I know we don't usually do this, but I'm just going to ask if there is anyone here that's feeling that call. And I'm not saying you're, you're clear about it, but you know that God is calling you to do something, especially in a, 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 when it comes to rebuilding, whether it's rebuilding hope, whether it's going somewhere else. I don't know, but it's just something of the Nehemiah call. If that is you, can I ask you just to stand at this moment in time. It may not be you, but some, some of you, it might be some of you. If there's some of you that really feels that, yeah, God has just been stirring me. He's been stirring me to do something, to get up and to build. He's been, uh, uh, he's been giving me spiritual muscles, but I'm not too sure what it is. That's right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I also get, this is what I also get. Now, I got this this morning that I just sense as well that we're going to have, not we, I just sense, this is what I was getting this morning, that we have some very, we have an assembly that's really full of men, which is really good. I go to a lot of assemblies and it's mostly women. But we've got some people here. You know, we've got men here in this assembly, which is really a really a great sign. And I sense that the men, I'd like you to get together at this moment in time, stand together, and I'd like you to pray for one another. Just don't do it yet because there's, there's another thing that I want to do. And I'd like you to minister to each other. I really just sense that this is the time that men needs to strengthen men, okay? So that's what I want to happen in the... Then there's another thing that I'm sensing as well. There's some of you that may feel, actually, I'm not actually a leader. I'm more of a follower. I want to support. I want to be there to, you know, um, be part of the, 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 those who are the, the willing workers who support. And if that's you as well, then in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand because I'm going to ask you to pray for each other. I just sense that. So what I'd like is, first of all, the people who are standing for the Nehemiah call just to come out and just to get together somewhere around here or something. So Pastor Phil, so just, just together there. Yeah, just get together. I know this is going to be messy church today. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> messy church today, yeah. And I just want you guys to pray over each other. Then I just want the men, if you feel, just, just before you start, just let me just do this, please. I just want the guys, I really feel that some of you guys need to minister to each other. 
There's been a lot that's gone on with our men over the past year. And I'd like you really, guys, just to strengthen each other this time. You might do it anyway, and so forgive me if, if you're doing it again. You might get together, but I just sense that as a, a proclamation to the enemy, just to say, you know what, we stand as a band of brothers. We stand as a band of brothers. So I just want you guys, if you don't mind, just getting together somewhere, maybe stand over this side and just praying and strengthening each other at this moment in time. That's okay. That's right, yeah, just the guys, that's right, you know. Just strengthen each other, guys. Strengthen each other. Go down the middle, whatever, yeah. Or at the back, yeah, wherever. Good. Strengthen each other, guys. Strengthen each other. And then the rest of you, those of you who, I just want you to turn to someone next to you, get together, and just pray with each other that the Lord will just reveal more. I'm sure he's revealed a lot to you already, but just to reveal more of what it is that he's called you to be and to do at this time and this season. Yes, just just turn with a neighbor, with a friend, just a group, small groups of you, and just strengthen each other, especially those who are the elderly ones. Just strengthen each other right now. Oh, Lord, yeah, Lord, just strengthen this, Lord. Just strengthen these, strengthen this team, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord. Oh, Shirebeya, yeah, Lord, strengthen them. Yeah, Lord. Hallelujah. Strengthen your people, yeah. Strengthen them, Lord. Strengthen them. That's right. Just strengthen each other right now. Oh, lava lava Yeah, Lord, let there be an outpouring.
bless her. Oh God, we thank you for a gentle. 